A lot can happen in the next three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans are available for these changing times. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer budget-friendly, flexible coverage for people who are in between jobs or missed open enrollment. The plans last nearly three years in some states, with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. So for whatever tomorrow brings, United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans may be for you. Learn more at UH1.com. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. PlushCare is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Welcome to Thursday afternoon's Late Lunch on LMFM Radio. Great to have you with us on the show. We're going to talk about something now that, uh, well, myself and Louise were chatting about this uh, a few days ago and we decided, look, let's give it a go on Late Lunch and see where this travels. We're going to talk about dyeing your hair, but not from a, a woman's perspective, from a man's point of view. And when we were talking, Louise, the pair of us, we were, you know, saying that it was our opinion, you know, that that dyeing the hair for men, we were of the it's opinion that perhaps... It's very much taboo. Taboo, still. yeah. Weren't we? We, we, yeah. we were. We, we were talking in those hairs. For women, it's not an issue at all. No, no, no. women always dye their hair. Yes. And they they, they yes. have no problem talking about it. But yeah. I think for men, it's still very much almost... For certain age men, I, I think mm. younger men now don't have a problem, but of kind of... Older men, I think, would still be very much embarrassed to get their hair dyed or admit to getting their hair dyed. I think yes. it'd be very much a, a case of going into a shop, buying a dyeing, going home in the bath, and oh, <laughs> giving it a go. Oh, they look dreadful. <laughs> oh, you know those home DIY kit jobbies that you see. Oh, they do. They look shocking indeed. So, so we're of the view that of an age, it may be an issue, but for in twenty twenty three, for younger men of that, not so. No, I think younger men would go in and get their hair dyed, highlighted, cut. That's just yeah. my opinion, anyway. Okay, well, let's. I, I have a, we'll have a little wager here. I would say nobody will message us today to admit that they <laughs> dye their hair. Will we have a wager? Yeah. Do you think someone? Do you think somebody listening today? I'd now, hope so. That they wouldn't, or they would. Oh, oh, well, I, I, I thought you were going to bet that they wouldn't. Yes, I uh, yes, I, I, I bet. I don't think anyone would get in touch to, mm. to admit that a man that they dye their hair what do you think I would say it's a very slim chance but I'd be very hopeful that maybe one would, would even not not with a name but just to say oh, yeah. yeah I do and tell us anonymously know, how we, often or yes. whatever or, or yeah. how yeah we guarantee you we will not read your name not completely in confidence is there a man out there who dyes the hair and would let us know today that they do. There oh, isn't anything to be ashamed. Not at all. Let's let's see. Let's see what happens. 086 1800 658 by WhatsApp or text. That's the number. 086 1800 658. Do you die? If you die, how often do you die? Are you proud of it? Do you love it? Does it make you look younger? Well, you know what we're getting at there. Get in touch with us. Well, let's see what happens. Let's see what happens there. But anyway, in the meantime, we have a man standing by on the line who is a legend in the whole field of hair and beauty and more besides. When I tell you who he is, you'll know him well. He's on Trimgate Street in Navin, started in the shopping centre in the Mead Town, but he's just a landmark. Ambrose Clinton, welcome to the show. Uh, thank you very much. Good afternoon. Good afternoon to you and all your listeners. You're welcome to the show. You've been listening to myself and Louise nathan on there. Can I ask you straight up, because you're the man in the business, are men a little bit apprehensive about this of an age? Look, I heard you saying there that um, younger men wouldn't have a problem. The funny thing about it is these things go through cycles and... Years ago, certainly older men would have, or men would have come in to the hairdressers and they would have got their hair coloured. We'd, we'd refer to it as colour rather than dye. Mm. Um, and of course, you see some very bad home jobs and that's what kind of makes it on gents a little bit taboo. Um, but yeah, look, the younger men now tend to go to the barbers a little bit more often and they get the, the whole hair all half-shaved off and whatever. And a lot of them don't do colour. Right. It would tend to be an older t- type of clientele that still would do colour. 
Mm. Right? Look, they're still apprehensive. Men would be still apprehensive about going in and sitting in the place and getting the colour done. Right. To be still a little bit apprehensive, yes, for mm. sure. And and for somebody who gets it done, Ambrose, with you, how often do they come back or how often is it needed to keep the colour, you know, constant? Well, if you need to keep it right and keep proper coverage on it, you're looking at four or five weeks in reality. Right. So you'd need to be back and and do it again and 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 to keep it right. But you mentioned like of of an age, and it's true. Like look at me, I'm as grey as a badger now, uh, and was blonde at one stage, or brown, or mousy, whatever you call it. But uh, it's something I never consider at all in my lifetime. Is it something that you know uh, is quite prominent, or is it the exception still? You know what I'm talking about with men of an age. It would be still. Uh, the exception. There wouldn't be that vast amount of men that will go and get their hair coloured. Mm. Even though it will make them younger looking if they do it. Provided they get it done professionally and, and, and get, it, get it looked after properly. The ones that will always stand out to any of us like is uh, the people that buy the, buy the box colour and go home and do it themselves and they make it too dark and it looks really obvious. Mm. Um, and that's what would turn off any anybody for getting coloured on. Um, yeah, so that would be my experience. Anyway. Yeah, yeah, the DIY kits, yeah, of course. It, it, it devil all together and you're you're rooting at something really you're not professional at our experience as well. But people do try it, of course, but a, a lot of them, as, as you were saying then, we said earlier on, don't look the part a, a, at all. Um, in terms of them talking about it all, you know, when you're you're looking after somebody yourself, and I don't want to break a confidence here, is it an open thing with their family, with their partners, you know, with their friends? What do you think? Or is it something that they like to keep to themselves? Some people would be open about it. Yeah. And other people wouldn't dream of telling their partners. Mm. Even though why with their partners for, for years, they still wouldn't tell them. Right. They'd be trying to hide it as much as possible. Mm. So you get a mixture. There's no, there's no hard and fast rule on what we get in through the door. Uh, everybody has different ideas on 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 what they should do and whether they should tell anybody or not. Mm. Um, I, I I know in our own case we we look after. Well, I look after. I do a bit of trichology here, and I look after people that have no hair. Um, we do non-surgical bonded arm systems on the people, and a lot of and I have a private room of where I would do that. And a lot of our men that would do that, I would use colour on them. But then I'm doing them in a private room and it's not an issue at all. Yeah. And I would say 90% of those men would have hair colour. There you go. And of course, trichology is a wonderful uh, qualification to have as well, dealing with the scalp, uh, which you do. And that's another string to your bow there. Um, You mentioned there about younger men, and and it's something I noticed. I was out and about, I think I said it here in the show a couple of weeks ago downtown in Drogheda, and I noticed the salons, the the barbers and everything, so busy. And I just wandering by and being nosy, uh, having a look. As you said, younger guys and lots of them in there sitting, waiting to have their hair attended to. So they're frequent visitors. So what are you talking about? Would young men come once a month to have their hair done or perhaps more frequently? Oh, no, way, more, way more frequently than that. They would be into the barbers about every fortnight to get their cuts done. So that's what I'm saying. People have swung away, men have swung away a little bit from the hairdresser and they've done more to the barber at the moment. And these things always swing back and forward. Um, but that's the, that's, the, that's the position at the minute. Yeah, no, they go to the barbers every two weeks. Wow, when I think of that. So that's 26 visits across the year. Oh God, oh God help me altogether. If I go four or five times, I'm lucky in the year. But that's just me, you know what I mean? But <laughs> they're, they're, I'm actually shocked when I hear that. But that's what they want and they love to touch up and keep their hair, you know, uh, uh, of a style. What about the styles? Are the mullets back? Yes, the mullets are certainly on the way back. Um and that goes for your kind of your shaved sides. And yes, the mullets are coming back, yes. And and the other question is, uh, uh, just back to the to the colour, as you call it, to give it the right term. If a man has a beard, you know, that goes a different colour to his hair, you know what I'm talking about? I do. How do you, how do you deal with that? In most cases, uh, men won't, won't colour their beard. That's not to say that they can't, or that some don't, but... In the majority, they would not. 
the button colour. Mm. And um, the, the the man bun things like that. Are there any trends? You know that are you know the man bun is that a thing? Um, look, all there's, it's not like years ago where there was certainly one style that was kind of in as to speak. Yeah. Uh, now nearly anything will go, and it depends on the individual on what they are looking for. Right. You know, it's, it's not like when Princess Diane was there, that was the type of cut that was in with everybody on the women's side. Um, it's not like that. Men will do what they want to do. Some of them will be doing perms and wearing their hair curly. Some will be going for shorts. Some will be going for... They, they go for all different types of things. They'll be going for the, some will be going for the mullet. And, you know, mm. so there's a, a wide variation in what people will do. A perm in the hair for a man. There you go. Yeah. And uh, that's something that women got done at one stage only, but it, it's uh, across the uh, the sexes now at this stage. Yeah, that would be one where the place where the younger men would get that done. Yeah, yeah. What about highlights? Highlights for men? Yes, highlights for men. For men, yeah, you would definitely, we would definitely get some people in for highlights for men. Again, maybe not as prevalent as it was, uh, but it still goes on. For men. You know, just uh, you mentioned the trichology there. What is the main? Is the main problem baldness, losing hair? Yes, y- yes younger. Yeah. 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 Look, you get it in men and women. You get uh, male pattern baldness. You get female pattern baldness. Uh, you get um, there, there is there's so many. You can get traction. You get uh, um, areata. There's there's so many things now that are happening to people, and there are many solutions that you could that. I can use in that to help people. Mm. And they also, the same with women, like a lot of women in middle age, maybe they have nearly half their hair lost before they realise that it's, that it's been lost. So, and even, let's say, if you take the virus, it has affected some people with hair loss as well. So that's a very big area at the moment. And you, I don't have to tell you, uh, when you work your magic or whatever, or others, it, it's, a, it's a real boost to confidence, can't it? It really is for and some people. You have no idea. I'd have clients and I would have tried to talk them out of getting certain procedures done. And to my detriment, I realised really that I was wrong because it, it, when I did it, right, when I was kind of, they pushed me into doing it because I was thinking I was doing them a favour, not getting them to spend money. And all of a sudden you do something with somebody with frontal fibrosis alopecia and you put a small piece of hair on the front of their head and it just changes their lives. You could not believe it. You could not make it up. It's just incredible. Oh, that's wonderful to hear, Ambrose. And is it, can it be hereditary with people or can it be brought on by, say, stress or worry? Different aspects to this, you know, hair loss. Well, stress will always, is never a good thing for any of us um, and it definitely can impact on some people. Sometimes it's, it's uh, genetic and sometimes the, the, the area can, can come up anywhere. Um, it, it just depends. You just don't know uh, what mm. causes these things. The person that will come up for a complete cure for baldness uh, will be a millionaire in about three months. Oh, they certainly will. Absolute cure for it. But yet, certainly there are things that you can do for it. Mm. And what about, uh, you know, those uh, proprietary uh, hair restoration products, without naming any of them, that you can buy off the shelf and they'll say to you, you know, uh, you know, put it in and work it into your hair, uh, you know, fr- frequently or whatever. Do they work? I'd be very cautious about them. Those yeah. products in those, there's ingredients in those rather, that are really not safe to use. Um, really not safe to use. You'll see on some of them, uh, again, without naming names, but they tell you, let's say, if you're pregnant, don't use this and whatever. Yeah, mm. you have to be very careful with that. You have yeah. to be terribly careful with that. Mm. And again, coming back to the the home, the home stuff and going down that road is not to be recommended. Uh, well, I definitely wouldn't recommend yeah. it, but of course, me in my position, I wouldn't. Mm. Just going back to the men on, on, on getting things done, we will have men here as well that will get, um, they, they won't quite get, they won't get makeup done, but they will get their eyebrows tinted and they will get that kind of stuff done. And we do all that as well. So that's another thing that is happening. But again, people are in a private room when they're doing that, so they're not out in, in, in full view. Yes. 
yes. So that that bit of privacy is uh, yeah, is something is. that people yeah, you know very important, yeah, very important. need need yeah. as well. God, you're you're a great man because I just see you're always in the uh, winners' enclosure with the annual awards again. Last year, the Mead Style Awards. There you are picking up the big gong. We we look really appreciated that, um, and thanks to all those people involved. It was uh, it was wonderful accolade. Yes, we were very happy for all of us here uh, to get that because. Hairdressing just at the moment is, is look, it's a, it's a difficult business. Um, it's difficult. We have to get people coming in through the door. Um, we, we have this bath thing coming up. That's mm. kind of a 50% increase in bath. We've had, we've had a, at least a 25% increase on our raw materials coming in in the last 13 months. It was actually frightening it, really, and we haven't been able to really pass that on it's certainly something we're going to have to look at very tight soon. But we worry then about the person coming in the door, whether they're going to pay for this service or not. And hairdressing, unfortunately, people people kind of don't put us uh, above on a high pedestal, pedestal to have us kind of a little bit down the ranks and they think that they really shouldn't have to pay for this. And yet they'll, they'll put their car into the garage and they'll pay 80 and 90 euros an hour for somebody to do it. Our people have to go through exactly the same type of training. We go through four years of, of training. Um, uh, and so we're well qualified. We work with chemicals. It's, it's, it's a business that employs a lot of people and maybe doesn't get enough credit for what it does. But certainly we would be, the Hairdressing Federation has been on banging on the drums a little bit about this um, 5%. And this 5% is is. is, is critical for us, you know mm. what I mean? It makes yeah. it makes it makes a huge difference. Yeah. Um and the other thing that I only noticed that happened uh, in the business is um it's great now we all we all got a few bob for our ESB and we'd be very high energy users. Like one of our hair dryers is like plugging in one and a half two and a half kettles. So that we, and then all our water is on, on our electricity as well. So we're very high users. Um, and I even noticed now, thanks be to God, we have all our tax affairs in order and we have tax clearance and all that. But we noticed that the, the, the grant that we got back, the revenue just took it to put it against tax. So it never didn't come into yes. our account. Now, it's not going to really affect it. But it's another thing that's just there along with this 5% what threatened with, you know. Yes. And uh, look, we try very hard. We try very hard to, to please people. Uh, I'm not saying we always get it right, but we try very hard, and it's a very personal type of business, you know. Yes. Uh, look, I give you credit, and I want to today give you credit, and all. Uh, of the other uh, people in your business across the northeast and beyond because you bring so much joy and we touched on that confidence thing there as well and what you do for people like people feel great after they uh, uh, come out after whatever they get done uh, with their hair and I give you all credit for that and we understand as well what you're saying how tough it is because you're in a business that's been hit left right and centre and I do call today and join in the call that the government will look fairly at your appeal that that VAT rate stay as it is and it not be touched. I hope you have success there and I wish you well with that. Ambrose, it's been great talking to you today. You're a wonderful man. You've a wonderful team there and place. Check them out on Trimgate Street in Navin. Ambrose Clinton, Hair and Beauty. You've been great and I've enjoyed chatting to you yeah, today. Thanks very much and I hope I didn't go on too much. Ah, no, not at all. I'd have always, I'd have always plenty to say and it's <laughs> always great to get the support of our clients and that they keep coming back to us. Uh, we really appreciate that. The staff here really appreciate that. Yes. And we work very hard to that end. Um, you do indeed. Do. You do indeed. And it's lovely. Uh, thanks. I know you took time out because you're busy there and there's somebody waiting I on you now. I'm busy today. Yeah. <laughs> people downstairs now listening to me and they'll telling me in a minute whether I did well or not. <laughs> well, there you are. It's the topic of conversation for the afternoon. Late lunch on LMFM Radio. Thanks indeed, Ambrose. Like Talk to you again. You. Thanks very much. Not at all. Take care of yourself. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Isn't he great? Ambrose Clinton there. One of the best in the game for sure on Trimgate. 
Market Street in Navin. I tip my cap to you from my grey head. <laughs> it's not often I win a bet against you, Jerry. I tip my cap to you. Thank you very much to whoever it was. Yes, well, listen to this. 100% I dye my hair. I'm 38 years of age. Every six weeks I'm at the barbers. It's a big thing now. Either dye the hair or go full grey. Every second guy does it, mm. says a listener to us there. Isn't and that it, interesting? It just must be the same. It's like a, it's a big thing for a woman to go grey. So I'm sure it's the same as a man. Mm. Kira Burke. Remember Kira? Uh, yeah, yeah. And she stayed. Went full grey. Yeah. We did it with Paul Carroll here on the show uh, one time, three of them. And Kira stuck with it and, mm. and is very happy. Uh, and she got some flack from her daughters. You remember mm. her telling us the whole story around that? But she did. Mm. Albert was on there to say that a female friend suggested he cover up his grey and dye it. And he said, no way, I have the ability to grow two colours. And that's what, you know, when you're in transition. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Indeed. So funny. Do you dye your hair, boys? If you do, let us know. 086-1800-658 by WhatsApp or text. Something I never considered. I couldn't believe when he said that men actually get their eyebrows tinted. Now, Mm. I wouldn't have... Yeah. I wouldn't have said that. Yeah. You see, oh, see, the boys yeah. today are more conscious about their looks. Every two weeks in the barbers, Louise. Mm. Every three months here. <laughs> <laughs> I'll have to change my pattern of behaviour for sure because uh, it's uh, very infrequent for myself. But it's just, I suppose, I'm of an era and of a uh, generation. Remiss of me yesterday not to mention Delia Heenahan from Manuthan County Kildare. Delia, thank you so much for the St. Bridget's crosses you sent into us. And you're a great woman. You raised money uh, for the Jack and Jill Foundation last year and for the Children's Hospital as well with the crosses. We love them and we've distributed them around the house here and everybody loves them. And thank you indeed, Delia, for sending them into us. I do appreciate it. We were talking about dyeing the hair earlier on in the show. Listen to this. I turned 50 last year and I still have a full head of black hair. I get the blame, Jerry, for putting colour into it. And you just know, looking at me head, it's not coloured. It's an awful scourge altogether. Thanks indeed for your message. Really do appreciate it. Now, let's move on on the show this afternoon. I'm delighted to welcome to Late Lunch the Chief Strategy Officer and Head of the Future of Work Institute at the CPL Group, who has just been named as one of the top 50 Future of Work influencers. He's from Dundalk. Barry Winkless, congratulations to you. Thanks very much, Jerry. How are you? I'm really good. What an honour this is. Analytica, uh, you know, announced these people like yourself on an annual basis and have done for years in the top 50. Wow. Yeah, pretty impressive. I, I heard a brilliant quote there recently where they said that uh, experts have no influence and influencer, influencers have no expertise. So I'm hopefully that's all somewhere <laughs> in between. <laughs> I love it. That really is. That's fantastic. I love it. I love it. Listen, come on. You are a man who knows what's what when it comes to the future of work. Look, I don't have to remind you the the pandemic was a game changer, but perhaps, Barry, things were changing pandemic or not. Is that a fair comment? Yeah, that's a great point, Jerry. I mean, we were noticing big changes before uh, the pandemic hit. Obviously, a lot of focus about the future work turned to people working from home. But actually, there was a lot of big changes happening even before COVID. Uh, and we're really interested in those changes and how those changes are going to affect everything from where we work to how we're led to, you know, the kind of tools and technologies that we're going to use to, to deliver our work, really. Now, I'm going to come on to the three future work pillars that you've been involved in in, in pointing out to us, and, and they're, they're really interesting. But before that, I want to ask you this, because I've been reading uh, through some of the great work you've been involved in and, and the opinions that you've had published as well. Yeah. Um, I just want to quote from one of them. It says, The value system of businesses is moving towards a more human and societal-centred model. Does that mean that it wasn't previously? Yeah, it's a good it's a good question, Jerry. Actually, and what what you often find in organisations is there's generally a sprinkling of organisations that are really pushing boundaries. Right, they're really innovating. They're very much focused mm. on making their organisations better for people like you and me, uh, but then also having a positive impact in totality across their communities and also then across the environment as well. So, I would definitely say that. 
You know, up until maybe 20 years ago, I definitely wouldn't say that would be the case because as we probably all recognise, organisations, their primary function was to create value for shareholders. Um, I think now if you look at any, even any major business commentator would be talking about this idea of new capitalism. So how do we, you know, maybe still create value and create money and wealth, but actually do it in a much more human way, in a much more societal-centric way that doesn't necessarily damage our resources, uh, you know, so we can actually create sustainable organisations uh, and ultimately that have a net benefit uh, to their communities and beyond. It's a win-win then for, for everybody. And as you say there, there were some, uh, you know, vanguard organisations and companies yeah. that were there. But now, would you, the push is now to to spread this among a wider uh, remit of, of companies and businesses, really to get yeah. as many as possible, is it, to buy into this? Yeah, absolutely, Jeremy. I mean, we, we, we definitely, I mean, we did a study very recently across about 100 organisations of, of various sizes. And, you know, by and large, the focus is very much on those two things I mentioned. You know, how do we make, mm. you know, this idea of a human-centred organisation much more widespread? And that can be from, you know, companies from uh, 10,000 to, you know, 10. Uh, and then ultimately, how do we, or I suppose, how do we create organisations that are more in harmony um, you know, with our environment, uh, but then also in terms of, you know, the broader impact of those organisations. So I definitely say, I always think that larger organisations sometimes you know, can create some really meaningful workforce innovations, but it's often smaller companies and places that you don't expect yes. where new ideas come from. Mm. Um, you know, so the really interesting one actually is there's, a, there's an orchestra uh, over in the US called Orpheus. It's a concert orchestra. And they actually don't have a conductor. Uh, and, you know, for people who know anything about classical music, <laughs> not having a conductor is like not having a man or a CEO. They actually rotate yes. uh, the leadership of, of the orchestra, right. uh, ultimately to involve people more and to make it a much more, you know, involved process. Because I'd say, like, like probably many listeners out there, some of us don't necessarily feel that involved sometimes in the orchestra. Yes. And, you know, that's a great concept, it is. It really is, because it gives everybody an opportunity to look at, you know, where they work as well from a different perspective, the responsibility and all that goes along with that. Let's talk about these uh, three future uh, work pillars, because this is what it really uh, boils down to. So the first one is workplace and where the work takes place across physical and virtual space. Now... There are some, and let's say this for a start, there are some places you just got to be in the building, in the place to deliver and, and the business has to function like that. But there are a lot of others that don't. But here's the thing. We had we all had to go home and work, as you know, uh, Barry, for a time with the pandemic and yeah. gradually people are returning to office space. But this hybrid model is proving challenging for a lot of people, especially in management. Yeah, it's a really interesting point, Jerry. And, and actually, thanks for reading uh, my, my articles. I very much appreciate that. Uh, yeah, no, I think, you know, a, well, a couple of things, right? The, a blend and flexibility is here to stay. There's no doubt about that. And actually, we've done a very, very recent study that, that's actually not published yet, where we ask questions around, you know, the impact of not having flexibility and how that would affect your actual, you know, application for a job in the first place. And over 30% said that they wouldn't actually apply for a role that didn't have at least some form mm. um, of flexibility. So I think that's the first thing. So I think when people ask me around flexibility, you know, whether that's hybrid working or a different type of flexibility, because some of us who work in manufacturing, you know, manufacturing sites, you know, we don't have maybe the ability to yes. work from home, but you might actually have a different type of flexibility. You might get flexibility in your shift patterns or wherever that may be. So I think the, the first thing is that kind of flexibility is here to say it's something actually that organisations are using to get the, the right type of people. But the other thing I would say is we're still learning about all the various challenges uh, across all of us that, that, that it impacts us. And that can be from a, a gender perspective to also a positional perspective. So we, we kind of recently spoke to a number of leaders um, where they cited a number of challenges in terms of you know, really, I suppose, motivating the team. And, and some of them called out things like social connection, mm. you know, a challenge around just creating that idea of camaraderie you know, with, within their team. Uh, and then also we're starting to see kind of longer term negative aspects maybe on, on the wellness side, whereas 
you know, if you had to maybe look a year or a year and a half ago, by and large, overwhelmingly from our research, there was a very positive impact on wellness, you know, for, for most people. But, you know, as I like to say, you know, we are all, you know, very individual we're all human beings. So these kind of models will affect different types of people, you know, in very different yes. types of ways, right? So we are seeing cohorts of people that, you know, whilst they like to work from home, they also like to get into the office. You know, they might be living in a small apartment. You know, they might like the, hmm. the independence of moving that. We're also starting to see some of the research that's highlighting an inordinate negative impact on women, you know, who have maybe taken on more duties when it comes to the work from home, you know, style of working as well. So, you know, it's like all of these things, you know, have we taken a step forward here towards a, a more human type workplace with, with enabling people greater flexibility? Absolutely. You know, has we have we solved all the problems of that? No, definitely not. And you know, we're still, I would say, in this kind of. I like to say, Jerry, to be honest, we're in the chapter two of a story that's been written. Um, you know, we we yes. draw a sense of the plot of what's going to happen, but we're not a hundred percent sure yet. Yeah. So, 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 so the workplace is an issue—the physical and the virtual space, as you say. There, a blend of two. Some people really like, and that is happening a lot. The other yeah. thing, when you mention workforce, which is workforce, which is the second yeah. W, and you've alluded to some of it there as well, because you know, people. I found it myself when I was at home for what nine months during the pandemic, and then got back in here, which was great. I, I, I found the lack of social connection, uh, the camaraderie. You know what I mean? That yeah. all that type of stuff difficult to deal with and then on the other hand with workforce you talk about leaders or managers you know they have a big challenge in how to manage people remotely yeah yeah absolutely and, and, and what's really interesting Jerry is high trust um, teams so teams where there was already a good level of trust with yeah. that leader um, have done really really well you know in this kind of distributed age right uh, because there's high levels of trust on both sides there. So the leader trusts people to get on with their work, you know, and, and obviously have regular check-ins, etc. What you find is the difficult side is where maybe uh, there's low trust. And I, I'd really like to call that as poor leadership because ultimately leadership is a role, um, you know, that you have to take on. And then it's up to you as, as a leader to, you know, work with your team so they trust you. So what we find actually is that low trust uh, people who have low trust in their leaders, that's where sometimes there's challenges and there's, you know, there's a bit of a micromanaging culture that might occur as a result of that. You know, what are you doing? What, what are you trying? You know, have you done this? Have you done that kind of thing? So mm. I think for me. Normally, being a little extra might be a bit much, but not when it comes to healthcare. That's why United Healthcare's Health Protector Guard Fixed Indemnity Insurance Plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, supplement your primary plan so you manage out-of-pocket costs. Learn more at UH1.com. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear, and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at PlushCare.com slash weight loss. That's PlushCare.com slash weight loss. PlushCare.com slash weight loss. What, what the, this whole way of working has kind of shone a light on leaders as how good leaders are or otherwise. Um, yes. And I would say that leaders who were strong before uh, COVID um, are now, I would say, stronger uh, because of this way of working. And leaders that were weaker are really being shone a light on because of you know the nature of the way we're working. And I think when we talk about the workforce thing as well, I think we all have a tendency to talk a lot too much actually about where the work is taking place. If you mm. think about it, Terry, by in, in the next 15 years across Europe, about 25% of the workforce are going to be freelancers. So that's people who are not necessarily working for an organisation, but they're going to be working with an organisation. So for all intents and purposes, they're working for themselves. Um, and that's something that we're doing a lot of research on the moment as to how people working on their 
themselves can work with other people, you know, how they can have a level of independence and how they're worrying about new ways of, you know, creating security in their lives and the kind of work that they're doing. Because if you think about all the tools that we have available to us now, technically, um, you know, we can work anywhere and deliver work from everywhere. Yes. Um, you know, and I think that's a really interesting thing we're starting to see uh, on the workforce side as well. So, you know, we're seeing all of these different types of workforce models. Some of your listeners might have heard of what's known as the gig economy. You know, and they, these are... Mm. You know, people working on project-based work or they might be doing Uber in their spare time, you know, et cetera, et cetera. Believe it or not, from the work we've done, one in three of us are doing some kind of a side hustle uh, that's adding to our kind of core job. And there's a number of reasons behind that. Unfortunately, a number of, you know, percentage of people are doing that, quite frankly, to make ends meet, which is, which is a, an indictment to me of a, a very modern economy. And then on the other side, people are doing it because... They're doing side hustles where they feel more fulfilled maybe in the side hustle that they're doing as opposed to their actual core job. Mm. It's interesting, isn't it, to see where this is going. And those um, last words you've mentioned there tie in with the third W, which is the work task. It's a very interesting area. It really is an exciting area and it's changing so much and it's technology driven, of course, as well. And, you know, the world, nothing stays still. That's the thing. And I I, I was so fascinated to read when you said, is it in transition? People say, oh, it's only in transition at the minute. It's happening, isn't it? It's happening at the minute. Yeah. Absolutely, yeah, and, and I think I think what's really interesting for me is, you know, because of obviously I'm highly involved in this area, actually is, so we take something like technology and we mention something like artificial intelligence, you know, a lot of the companies we're working with are using artificial intelligence in different ways. It might be to support workers or it might be to improve a particular pro- part of a process. Uh, so there's all types of technologies out there that we're actually using. It might be subtle. Uh, and as I like to say, sometimes they, they might be under the table. You know, you can't necessarily see them, mm. um, but they're out there. And, you know, more and more sophisticated uh, types of artificial intelligence are even moving into areas now where we wouldn't thought they would have, which is into areas like creativity. You know, so AI creating works of art, AI creating articles, you know, and creating, uh, you know, write, written messages and, you know, um, written stories. So it is there, and it's a lot more sophisticated than most of us would would recognise. Yeah. Um, and, you know, hugely impactful. Um, I think I'm often asked about virtual reality and augmented reality when I have these conversations. And I would say when it comes to things like virtual reality, we're still a number of steps away from, you know, that being used on an everyday basis. We're seeing it used in some um, workplaces, you know, where there's a particular focus on design, things like architecture, car design, etc., but those types of technologies, they're, you know, they're still trying to find the place of how we can use them more and what does it make sense? You know, is it more of a hassle to use them than it is what we're currently doing, etc. So a lot of technology out there very subtly impacting, um, you know, our, our workplaces. There's, there's this phrase now called hyper-efficient companies where, you know, we have a number of companies now that are purely built on technology over the last 10 years. And believe it or not, they're using five times less people in delivering the same output of work as it would have been 50 years ago. So that gives you a sense, Jerry, yes. of the impact that technology is having very subtly, um, but, but very obviously for those in the know. It's uh, exciting times, all change ahead. And I want to say to you again, congratulations on your selection and nomination as one of the top 50 future of work influencers. I can understand why you have been uh, granted that accolade. I really do. And I wish you well with this work going forward. Uh, And I'll be keeping an eye on you. I promise you that. Thanks for joining me so much today, Barry. Thanks, Jerry. It's been an honour to be on LMFM. As I said, as a a proud and dark man, it's it's, uh, great to be on a station like this. Ah, listen, we're delighted to have you as well. You're in our diary now. We'll be back to you, I promise you, down the road. (laughs) Thanks a million. Take care of yourself. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. That's Barry Winkless there, Chief Strategy Officer and Head of the Future of Work Institute at the CPL Group. Now, we're returning to a topic that we've uh, chatted about on Late Lunch over the years, I have to say, but more recently, uh, since President Higgins mentioned homework and 
He's not a big fan of lots of homework for children and we spoke uh, from the angle of sport versus homework here on the show recently with a guest who believes that sport and exercise is as important, perhaps more, than the academic side of things. Well, a well-known man from County Meath and a good friend of ours on Late Lunch has been talking about this himself recently, but from another side altogether. I'm delighted to welcome the man behind Rory's stories. Rory O'Connor back at the show. Hi, Rory. Jerry, how are you keeping? I'm keeping really well. First, before we get to the topic, are you still on the dry after January or did you blow out on the 1st of February? No, still good. Uh, still good. I, uh, Yeah, I'm kind of waiting now. I see that it's a busy enough weekend, like, so I don't know if I get a chance. But no, I'm looking forward to, to getting out and, and having a couple. But it's... Uh, it was, it was a sometimes long month, but you'd be nice and fresh. That's the benefit mm. of it, Jerry, you know. Mm. So uh, I drank enough over the Christmas to do me for the whole year, really. So uh, definitely January, I needed to <laughs> knock it on the head anyway. Yeah, it's great, Alan. And I do it from time to time myself. And you're right, you have the energy and you're not tired and you have lots about you. That is for sure. OK, so let's talk about this homework matter. When you were at school, go back to when you were in the desk yourself and, uh, you know, doing the the work at home and the homework, how did you fare out? Yeah, see, I suppose like, it's well documented at this stage, like, both from, I suppose, like, my social media posts and the memoir done a few years ago, I didn't have a good experience in school, and, like, I suppose that's part of, like, like the ADHD and dyslexic that, that I, I, I know now that I didn't know then, and I just found very school very, very hard, basically, and very, very tiring, and I, I felt... Like, you know, I, I had to work a lot harder than others to understand things, which then I just mentally fatigued quicker than them. Like, um, so, like, when I left school then, like, you know, you'd be going back to, to, to home and, you know, mom and dad are great, but like, oh, traditional Irish parents, oh, uh, do your homework. And then I wouldn't be understanding. And then they'd be like, geez, Rory, like, are you learning that in school and you're not paying attention and, you know, you're being lazy, all these kind of words. Mm. But looking back to it, just... I was already banjoed from school and then to come home and try and do it again. And, and again, when you're dyslexic and you're trying to, to take in information and, and it's just not, you're not wired to do so, it's very difficult. So that's why it's something I'm passionate about because I know there's a lot of young people that are struggling in school and, and I'm not sure if homework is, is what's needed both for them and for the parents, like, uh, you know, at home. So it's just... It's just something that needs to be, I suppose, raised over the next couple of years, whether is it beneficial or, or can we rewire it some way and have different kind of subjects or different uh, exercises to do outside of the school hours, you know? Yeah, and uh, this is an interesting uh, topic. And as you say, and there are lots of your ilk, Rory, who were, you know, dyslexic and trying to deal with other issues that were not diagnosed. And people just thought, these people, what's wrong with them? Why aren't they like the rest? And that was shocking. And people today reflect on that with real regret. Would you think today that... the that's been picked up now for the vast majority of people and that there's accommodations for children like that who struggle. Yeah, like, listen, it's like I would have done primary school in the 90s, like, so it's, it's certainly come on a lot mm. since then and uh, the SMAs are, are a big help for, for, for people. Yeah. You know, individuals like, like when I was in primary school, Jerry, we had... We'd one remedial teacher, God rest her, Mary Corn. She's dead now, but she was my my next door neighbour actually. But like Mary, Mary was the only one in the whole school realistically, and you'd want to be extremely bad now to get into Mary's door. Like I would have been halfway down the queue. Like so, I'd no hope. So you were just left to your own device, and you know uh, teachers didn't have time to sit down and and, and go one to one with you. So. It's difficult, and what happens then is like what happened to me is you just find it easier then to get kicked out of class and distract others, mm. and then you fall into that bowsy or you know ball boy bracket, and 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 that sticks with you for a long time. And I'm lucky, as I said, I come out the other side. But the reality of it is, Jerry, is like a negative impact in school can stay with people for a long time, and that leads to addiction trouble, and it leads to trauma trouble and stuff like this. And but now we're getting there. But I suppose one point. Or a few points. It was interesting reading, and anyone who who's interested in topics should go on to Rolling Stories, say Facebook, and have a look at comments. A lot of people would agree with the homework, but there was a few 
uh, very, I suppose, good point saying it's a good way for parents to know where their child is at. So if you're a teacher and you have 35 or 30 kids in your class, it's very hard to know them inside out. Where if you're doing in a homework with your child and they're really far behind, you can raise awareness to the teacher and the teacher can maybe, you know, put more attention in. So yes. that is a good argument in mm-hmm. that regard. Um, but uh, yeah, I, I just I just don't know. They're, 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 like Especially primary school, like, you know, primary school is really spelling, you know, learning to read as best you can. And that's about as much ways it should carry until you get into your, your teenage years and you maybe start venturing into subjects you're interested in. But from nine to three, you know, Monday to Friday, I'm not so sure if, if, if it's going to benefit the less academic and even the, the, the very academic because some of them, because I went to school with girls and boys that got 16 hours, 16 with their eyes closed. Mm. You know, when I was six or seven, I was 16, and the six or seven I got, I was probably copying off the chap beside me. Like, you know what I mean? So, <laughs> like, it's, 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 so I'm not sure if they, you know, they, like they could sit down with their mum and dad and blitz through homework in five yes. or ten minutes. And does it make them any more smart? I don't think so. Where the likes of a Rory, you know, you nearly have to put the sleeves up yourself and your parents sitting at the kitchen table going, right, let's just get this. And it causes arguments in the house because if you mm. imagine a 10 year old sitting there him and him and the, the parent are arguing because she's saying are you not listening to school you don't understand it's Jesus Christ you're driving mad and there's a, a younger sibling a four or five looking at this and it's creating bad energy in the household you know what I mean so yes. that's what I just don't think it's the, like when we're all in our mid 20s did homework and primary school make much of a difference I don't think so you know mm. if anything it made a negative impact because you're being you're kind of outcast in school because you're struggling with your academic, like maybe dyslexic or ADHD, whatever it would be, or autism. And then you're coming home and, you know, your parents are kind of putting pressure on you. So you're getting at both ends and you're just feeling feeling useless, like mm. and that can grow within you. So, yeah, it's definitely something that I think should change in the long run anyway. Yeah, no, look, I, I there's a lot of people now uh, focusing on this. And, and the president, you know, with his words alone has brought attention to it as well. And I couldn't disagree with you. I remembered myself with my own, the tension of homework. You know what I mean? And parents are trying to cook and get dinner, maybe coming in from work, all that type of thing. But I, 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 I am of the opinion that primary school should be the most enjoyable experience. You get the basics, as you said there. There's no need to bog them down with too much. I, I, I'm with you. I'm with you. Yeah, I, yeah. I, I, like, like again, the argument, as I said, which is a valid point of how will you understand how your child is getting on in school if you can't sit down? And I understand that. And um, I also understand that we can't completely model, model, uh, molly coddle the young, young generation that they have to understand they have to put a bit of work in to achieve stuff and yeah. I get all that but I'm just looking at the bigger picture there are good points but looking at the bigger picture to see is 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 this having more of a negative impact on, on the household and like life is hard at the minute from a lot of people the stress of everything that's mm. going on and I, it's just, yeah, I just don't know if, 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 if it's worth in the bigger picture. But again, probably there's a, there's a forward-thinking teachers out there that are already, you know, they have the, the power in the classroom and they're already sending home certain amount of small, a bit of read maybe, a bit of spell, and that's it. Like, you know, none of this mm. 40 minutes crack. They're only in from mm. school, starve and have a slice toast, sit down and do the homework. And it's, it's, it's a lot of pressure for people, you know? It is, it is. And, and, you know, when life moves on, as you say, and you head to second level, and you have exams to sit on that as well, well, of course it's going to ramp up there. But then at times I even hear of instances of uh, teenagers and beyond doing hours and hours every night for this uh, race to the top, some would say a race to the bottom, you know, for points and that type of thing but that's certainly a discussion for another day your own, what age are your own children? Um, 10, 4 and 2 and what's your experience? now the 10 year old would be a good you know uh, barometer of what's been happening in more recent times well like I, I won't lie to you like as you know I, I always say it as it is I, I, I don't really I tried homework myself and without 
making a joke. I actually don't even understand half fourth class homework. I really, I honestly don't. I do be often like, like I often say to challenge my own academic skills. Say no, no, let me go off with this book. And there'll be loads of different scenarios, decimal points here, and long mm. multiplication here. And I actually, like, I wouldn't really understand it. And homework is waving all the time, or the way teaching teaching uh, kids is waving all the time. So it's a lot different to when probably we were in school than it is now. And. I parked that there from from an education point of view. Moved on with what I do, so I, I'm struggling. My wife does a lot of it with her, but it's 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 never good energy coming from it. Like it's always it's mm. always negative. Like, mm. and I'd often have to go in and say, "Geez, will you stop arguing over homework?" And she's like, "Oh, she has to get it done." And and I believe, like you know, this is happening in numerous households across the country. And that's why I'm asking: Is this beneficial for everyone? I'm not so sure. Like, that's what it comes back then. Yeah, and it's been going on for for a long, long time. So again, we have. I, I know the minister Norma Foley said that you know it's left to schools' discretion. But yeah, yeah. Then it's just opinions. After that, there could be a principal of a school that was a real bookhead in his day, and he's all about this. And he says no, thirty minutes every day has to be done. Or you could have a very forward-thinking principal that agrees, and there's no homework in in this certain school. So. It probably needs to come, uh, you know, for a bit, it's a bit like the GEA scenario with Kilmacord and the Glen. The GEA kind of, you know, folded a bit by putting it back on the Glen instead of making their own call. And now it's a complete mess where maybe, you know, the, the minister, not not saying like she has to, but maybe she should, like if she wants to create or make noise from her time in charge, maybe she makes the call and says, as Minister of Education, I feel this is, and that's what leaders do. Leaders make big calls. Yeah. And so, sometimes they're right and sometimes they're wrong, but I think leaving it to the school's discretion, no offence, we're sitting on the fence, in my opinion. Like, mm. um, you know, I think if you're a minister or whatever, you, you know, you have to make these big yes. calls on your own gut feeling. That's what, that's what we are there for. So, um, it remains to be seen but good old Michael D seems mustn't have been great at the, the long multiplication anyway himself so he Listen, Rory, you are not alone by any means, that's for sure. Uh, before you go, it's great to hear you, and I'm um, getting messages in saying they love you. I just want to tell you here, there have a number of messages here saying we just love this man. Hearing him again on uh, LMFM Radio. Just before you go, because I know you love the GA and you know uh, what I'm going to ask you, the CCCCCCC and the, the replay, what's your view, replay or not? He's there. The t- 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 typical uh, loud man wouldn't ask, ask me how me am I happy at the weekend because he's raging at me to play football. I love the way you never lose the rivalry. Like you know, I thought you were going to ask about you must be delighted with the first match, but not at all. <laughs> you're too. You, you mightn't have been uh, the homework the best, but I'll tell you, you're a smart bucko. That's for sure. You're yeah. reading me like a book here. Anyway, yeah. well done to me the weekend. Great win. We're sick as pigs, is right. We'll be beaten yeah, the way well, we were we better the weekend. We won't get too no. carried away. But no, it was, it was a good performance. But mm. just your first point. Mm. Listen, I, yeah, I, I think Cam McCord. I think Cam McCord are dead right. Like you know, I know if Dunmore Ashburn won a, a Keegan Cup or if or if they won an All Ireland club or, or something along them lines, and 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 it was down to a, a, an official I'd be saying here go go and go, go and do what you have to do but we we done nothing wrong here. it's a mm. mess and that's mm. why it goes back to the point with the, the Norma Foley kind of the GEA shouldn't have threw it back to the Glen they should have made the decision yes. themselves because now like the Glen and Kill McCord who I'm sure had a lot of respect for each other are both arguing both sides like Kill McCord people are starting to say they knew what they were at they had an extra player on the field and, and and it's it's a disaster. I'd hate to be, and I feel sorry for both clubs because mm. it's not the way it should be. Uh, I believe the latest is Kim Corner are putting in a refusal, uh, so now it's going to go to I think it's a DRA or someone above, and it's a disaster. It like is. you know what I mean. Uh, and is. I think like what what I, what I think is going to happen is the GA are going to demand they play the replay, and Kim Corner, from what I gather, are going to say there you are, take your cup and back to, out to the north with you. And that's not what the Glen <laughs> no, want. No, The Glen, like, they're hard to get, like, going to enjoy drinking out of a cup that was handed to them. Do you know what I mean? Yes. So, mm. it's, it's a disaster. And I, I do believe the GA uh, should have made a call uh, and not let it go like this. 
Um, but it is what it is. Uh, we could have geez, we could have a Paddy's Day club final, yeah, the way it's going. <laughs> we like. could, we could indeed. <laughs> and them trying to reorganise the club and the the, the uh, county season and all that. Oh my God, yes, it, this will run and run for sure. Again, I say to you, you've prompted so much people saying, God Almighty, we can empathise so much with that man. The four o'clock at the kitchen table and all the stress and negativity you're definitely onto something here Rory for sure and let's hope uh, that the powers that be uh, listen to what is coming up from uh, the ground up to them thank you so much for joining me on the show always love to chat to you no bother pleasure as always Jerry. mind yourself take care of yourself bye bye Rory O'Connor there check him out on Rory Stories time for this on Late Lunch five four three two Counting down the top five songs from this week of yesteryear. And today it's... February, yes, February 1986. Yes, this very week and we're at number two in the top five countdown today. And this song, would you believe, um, made it to number one in the UK singles chart for this group. They were really riding on the crest of a wave at the time. I'm talking about Aha. Now, my favourite song of theirs is Take On Me, but would you believe it? It didn't make number one in the UK. But today's song actually made number one and stayed there for two weeks towards the end of January 86. But it was down to number two in the week we are concentrating on today. Yes, it's Aha! And if only you did, the sun always shines. Number two in our top five countdown from this week in 1986. Aha, and the sun always shines on TV. Shines on Radio 2 every afternoon between half one and half three on LMFM with late lunch, of course. I had to say that, hadn't I? We'll bring you the number one tomorrow afternoon round about this time. We're looking for your help, listeners, this afternoon, especially those listening in the Carlingford, North Louth area. I'm delighted to welcome David Keane to the show. Hello, David. Hello, how are you? I'm really good. This picture is sitting before me here in the studio. I'm looking at Sophie, this beautiful Springer Spaniel. Now, David, here's the thing. You don't own this dog. Tell our listeners the story of how you and Sophie came together. So I met Sophie about, about a year ago now, and I met Sophie through delivering into her owner, Jackie. So I'm a subcontractor for DPD, uh, and I met Jackie through delivering Sophie's food into her, and Sophie would always be in the front window looking out at me with her big brown eyes. She's absolutely beautiful. Um, and I soon learned that Jackie hadn't walked Sophie in over two years. She's not in a position to walk Sophie, so... I offered up a helping hand to walk Sophie. And, of course, to Jackie, I was a a random courier offering to bring her dog out. So it took a little bit of warming up before Jackie trusted me to bring Sophie out. Uh, And as soon as I started walking Sophie, we quickly became joined at the hip. We we formed a bond that I haven't ever experienced with any other animal. Um, She's just a really loyal, good Springer Spaniel. Um, <clears throat> so that was about a year ago. So I bring Sophie out in the van with me three or four times a week. And I say she comes on every hike that I go on on Saturday or Sunday. Uh, and she's just an amazing companion in the van. Uh, as I said in the article, she, uh, I joke with everyone telling them she's doing security or she's my <laughs> apprentice. And she's just happy to be out with me. You know, in the, in the year I've been walking Sophie, I've never once heard her bark. She's not a complainer. So um, you can understand why I've fallen in love with this dog and why I feel it's my responsibility to bring her home to Jackie. So I am leaving no stone unturned here. I'm appealing to anybody and everybody. I'm trying to get Sophie's picture and my details and Michelle's details spread far and wide. I'm trying to appeal to every farmer that borders the Cooley Mountain Range to just please check your barns, check your outhouse, Anywhere where a dog may be hiding, it's those farmers and the people in the really rural communities that I'm now trying to reach. 
because, you know, a lot of them may not be on social media. They might may not be in touch with, you know, daily news or, or, or what's happening in the area. So this is to appeal to those out in those low, or the really rural areas. Just please check your farm, check your barns, check the, the outhouse, wherever you think an, an animal may be hiding. Um, so look, and in the let, meantime, uh, yeah, yeah, sorry, go ahead. No, 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 just, just so as I, I want to just build on what you said there because uh, she's a beautiful dog. You're joined at the hip, yeah. as you said, and this arrangement works well for you and for Jackie, her owner. Absolutely. You were in uh, the, the uh, mountains last weekend in North Loud. She was with you. She's been before you. were on a hike and she went missing on Sunday. What time about on Sunday? So about midday on Sunday, we were we were less than a kilometre from the summit of Sleeve Foy, um, with Carlingford down on our left and Ladies Grave car park kind of over, or sorry, Carlingford down to our right and Ladies Grave over to the left where we had started, and um, and I took her off the lead as I would. I mean, her recall has always been absolutely spot on. She has never darted off on me before. Um, and I took her off the lead and I turned to speak to my friend for less than five seconds. And when I turned back, she was gone. Mm. Absolutely nowhere to be seen. And the mountain was busy on Sunday on the Carlingford side. So, you know, there were so many people involved in the search straight away. And hats off to everybody who was there because, you know, everybody was really helpful. Um, but unfortunately, I think she darted in the opposite direction into the wind. And I believe that's why she couldn't hear me, and that's why my scent couldn't get to her because the wind was carrying in the opposite direction. Okay. So, uh, so it's a it's a freak incident. Obviously, I've been up the walls the last couple of days, but I feel it's my responsibility to get Sophie back to Jackie, mm. and I, I won't stop until we find some information or. I, yeah. I just, you know. Okay, so she's a typical. I'm just looking at her here. Typical markings of a. Sp- Bring her spaniel, liver and white. And that collar, the picture you sent there, has she a collar on her or what? She has the harness. So every picture that I've shared, that's exactly how she looks. She okay. has that kind of grey and black harness on her. Unfortunately, she does not have her collar on her, uh, but she is chipped and all the details on the chip are, are spot on. So, you know, we're hoping somebody will bring her to the vet if she is found and, and they'll give her a good scan. Um Mm. But that's it, you know. I like. I'm. I'm. I'm sure she is down off the mountain, um, and she could be with a farmer somewhere. But it's it's just about getting the information spread far and wide. And I just want to actually take a second to thank everybody who's been on social media uh, sharing this story. You guys have been absolutely incredible. Uh, this information would never travel the way it has without the help of everybody sharing. Mm. Um, so I'm deeply grateful for everybody who's taken the time to keep this story alive and keep Sophie's picture and, and the story relevant. Uh, it really goes a long way for me. And and I truly believe that's who we're going to find Sophie by word of mouth, by, by social media putting together and just getting her picture out there. Speak to the farmer down the road to you that's maybe not on social media. Um, yes, and you and could have somebody it. listening to us today, you know, and I'm being very hopeful here, that may have her, you know, or may know of somebody Absolutely. that has her, has her as well and picked her up the weekend. So just to, to pinpoint the, the spot where she went missing again. Were you near the peak of Sleeve Foy itself when she ran off? Yes, so we and were... I, I'd say we were between 500 metres to a kilometre down from the summit. Yes. We were on a relatively flat area, so we were just off the summit. We hadn't actually summited it. Yes. And she headed um, in what direction? Just again, to I, be precise. I'm, 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 I'm not confident, but I think she she headed in the direction of uh, Long Woman's Grave, which is the opposite direction yes. to Carlingford. So it's kind of the Omi direction, Dundalk yeah. direction yeah. that she would have ran down. Okay. Um, I, and this Sunday, we're organising a huge search operation. Uh, we're going to be knocking into every farm and house that borders onto the Cooley Range. Uh, and I'm looking for volunteers to come up and hike the hills with me, experienced or inexperienced. There's going to be plenty of experienced people up there leading. Um, but I just need to get numbers. I mean, the more people involved, the more of a chance we have of finding Sophie yeah. and bringing her home. Okay, where are you meeting and at what time? Um, so, I'm 
I, we haven't. For me and Michelle, we're actually sitting down tonight to dissect the map and make sure we have jobs for every team that shows up. Okay. Um. So uh, I guess you put me on the spot here. Now I was thinking we will meet up for about ten a.m. Um. <clears throat> but I was going to suggest three meeting points. I was going to suggest Long Woman's Grave as one meeting points. Uh, the second meeting point would be down on the Carlingford side, and then I was thinking the third meeting point would be. Um. There's. There's. There's a. There's an area of the Tian Way. I actually don't know what the name of the road is, but um, if anybody's following me on social media, everything will be put up there. Um, If anybody would like to follow me and share the story from social media, you can catch me on my Instagram. My my handle is D-A-V-E-S dot and the letter I. That's Dave's I. Um, If anybody could get on and share Sophie's picture... Um, because we do not know which share will be the connection to to get the picture to a farmer, okay. you know. Yes. So yeah, I hear what you're saying. Listen, every little help. Uh, have to leave it there today. I hope that, and you know what I'm hoping. I'm hoping that we have information before Sunday, please God, and that somebody has picked her up. And if you have information, give us a shout here at LMFM Radio. Oh four one nine eight three two thousand is the main number. Oh four one nine eight three two thousand. Now get in touch with us through social media or whatever. Thank you for joining me. I hope you I get really her, David. Not at all. Thank you so much. Thank you again to everybody who's shared. I really appreciate you guys. Yes. And we're going to get Sophie home through this. Please keep sharing, everybody. Thank Thanks a million. Time. Take care. Bye-bye. Bye. That's David Keane there. And she's a beautiful dog, Sophie. If you can help at all, uh, please do get in touch with us. And we'd love to reunite that dog. You see the position David's in because... The dog is owned by Sophie and he really feels bad about this. Let's hope there's a good ending to that story. That's a lot on Late Lunch for this Thursday afternoon. Tomorrow in the garden with Nikki Kyle. Sport with David. You can borrow ties rather than uh, buy them. We have the story and Joy Chucks is joining us to tell us a remarkable tale as well. Eddie Caffrey's going next with The Drive here on LMFM. See you Friday for the final show of the week. A lot can happen in the next three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans are available for these changing times. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer budget-friendly, flexible coverage for people who are in between jobs or missed open enrollment. The plans last nearly three years in some states, with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. So for whatever tomorrow brings, United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans may be for you. Learn more at UH1.com. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.